Welcome back to Line to Gain podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Dixon, here with Mike Parker. Mike, here we go. Uh, this is this is actually uh, version 2.0. Yep. We uh, we lost power about four minutes before we were done recording yesterday. Had to uh, had to reset this whole thing today. So this may be coming out a little later than uh, than everyone's used to, but. Here we are, ready to ready to get down to business. Yeah, I felt really good about our uh, podcast yesterday uh, before too. the power went out. I do um, too. But hopefully, we can capture that again here yeah, today. Yeah, I think I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. So yeah, let's uh, I guess get get straight away to our Jump uh, takeaways. Into it, yeah. So uh, we're going going back to the future here. We're going to talk about uh, last week. Yep, um, week two of the NFL. Yeah, why don't uh, you lead? So uh, my first takeaway, Mike was that parody is real in the NFL and that is why the NFL is probably the best at least viewer sport in uh, in the in the world like i think this is the greatest thing to watch on tv of any sport there is right now and it seems like the numbers um, actually bear that out. I think I read something today that 75 of the top 100 shows are all like NFL related. I believe it. Yeah. Show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we had the, the Ravens with this unfathomable comeback against the, or I mean, sorry, the, the Ravens with an unfathomable letdown against the dolphins. Um, what the Cleveland enablers, uh, blew a, blew a huge lead to the jets. Yep. The, I think the, the Lions came back for a big win. Like there was just there were so many just crazy, you know, unheard of comebacks that um, I'm, it was, in, I'm it interested was to see if this parody continues as we move forward. We all know the first like quarter of the season is almost a coin flip in a lot of situations right. because teams they have more than ever they're practicing less um, in training camp. They have one fewer uh, preseason game. Um, uh, oftentimes teams don't even play their entire starting um, offense and defense right. uh, in the preseason because they and really need to get a, a look at Yeah, We touched a little bit on that last week. So, um, yeah, that's uh, – it, it's just – it's it's what makes this great game so great because you can go from it, – it's not crazy for a team to go from worst to first in, in a single season. So Yeah, I don't know if, like, you're a fan base of – "Quote unquote bad team," that parity will lift you to a playoff. But what I do know is week to week, just enjoying a game and a, and a single entity at a single moment, there's a chance that your team can elevate in that moment and and pull off a win, and that's always yeah. fun. Yeah, and and that is kind of the other thing that like the parity even week to week is is amazing in this league that you know like because you can. We're going to see, you know, Houston hang with Denver until the last possible minute, basically. Right. And, you know, things like that. Or Seattle be, knock Denver off. Maybe Denver's not the best uh, case because I don't know how good they really are, but um, just for, you know. I was definitely sitting sake. up in my seat for the last probably – half an hour of red zone and both week, week one and two for those early games. Mm-hmm. There's that that 30-minute real time, but like five-minute game time period at watching red zone, 
those early games, you just sit there and you're like, oh my goodness, there's three or four games that are going potentially going into last minute drives, last minute possessions, or overtime. overtime. Yeah. So that it's been a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, for me, I kind of broke all of this up, my kind of rewind on last week into two sections. Um, really, the first one is where I was wrong, and the other one was obviously where I was right. So let's start with my first where I was wrong. Um, I had uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So New England at Pittsburgh spread was New England one and a half, minus one and a half. I had the Steelers to win outright. Mm-hmm. Um, New England ended up winning 17 to 14. Um, one really real takeaway from this is I thought Pittsburgh defense is really good. Um, however, without that elite defender, TJ Watt, um, I don't think they have enough to overcome the horrible play by uh, Mitch Trubisky. Right. Uh, he only he only had four passes uh, that traveled over 15 air yards and um, nothing past 22 air yards. Mm. So there's definitely a sweet sweet spot. Uh, yeah. Like check down city over there. Um, right. So if, if he doesn't figure out a way to kind of push the ball downfield into the hands of those great receivers that he has. Um, this is going to be a very long and arduous season. It's going to be close games. It's going to be the defense on the field a lot. Um, I, all, that's going to wear over the, the course of the season, I think. Yeah. That's going to potentially cause some injuries in that defense. Um, and once you start losing one or two of your starters in that defense, that great defense turns into a good defense. They start right. giving up a little bit more uh, yardage, some more points, and I think it's a And, I mean, we already kind of saw, effect. like, losing that one elite defender that they – I mean, they do have a couple of, of really good – like, Minka Fitzpatrick uh, is, is a fabulous defender as well. But right. Uh, I think T.J. Watt is kind of the glue for that defense. Well, I think he's the elite piece, right? Yeah. He's the one you game plan for right. um, if, if you're an opposing team. I think he's so good, he can overcome shortcomings. He can cause those turnovers. He can put pressure on that quarterback, and it turns that maybe third and five into a, you know, a fourth down. You know, th- that yeah. team doesn't get that conversion because he puts so much pressure on the quarterback and is in the backfield within about two seconds sure. you know, at least. So um, I think without that, it becomes a little bit more difficult to get off the field. Um, what they really need is just some basic good like quarterback play run the ball you can check down from time to time but you have to take the shots down the field and not be scared to do that i i think they'd probably be better off uh starting cody pickett or kenny pickett now um just moving it you know just getting him in there i would rather him throw a couple picks downfield and get turned over than just not moving the ball at all so we'll see what happens and and i think you know, um, Mitch Trubisky did in his press conference or whatever this week mention that he needs to get the ball to the uh, playmakers on that offense. We'll see if he can do that. I think if he's well, not we know. able the to do – Well, the answer is no. He's yeah. not going to do it. If he he's not, And if he's not able service. to, Kenny Pickett's time is sooner than later. We'll so see. We'll, we'll see what They'll happens. probably keep Mitchell for the first – I think the, the season really gets divided up into four sections you know, in quarters, essentially. Right. So and these we're first halfway games, through the first quarter. So. Right. But, well, I think they might stick with him for – let's see what the first quarter looks like. Yeah. If they come out 2-2 two and two or, you know, 3-1, and one, 
you know, I think maybe, it goes, like tonight's game goes a long way to see what that's gonna what that's gonna look like. I exactly, think. because then they're one and two. If they lose, they're one and two going right. into the you know the fourth game. If if they're not able to put in any offense by the you know through that span, they really have to think about kind of moving on from Trubisky. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my next takeaway is that Dak Prescott is not an elite quarterback and is pretty expendable for Dallas and more than likely doesn't see the end of that contract that he signed last year. I absolutely agree with this. I don't think he's an elite quarterback at all. I think he's in that probably 10 to 13 range at best. I think there's definitely 10 players that are better than him, Um, 10 quarterbacks. Um, So I wouldn't ever call him an elite quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback, Um, but you know, he just hasn't been able to, we haven't seen his goodness like turn into wins and turn into playoff wins and deep runs into the playoffs. Right. Um, there's a lot of this guy's good. He's a good leader. He makes some good throws. Uh, he can scramble and do a bunch of things, but it just doesn't seem to turn into wins. In no, and he, and he puts up big numbers. It's just that, you know, at least last year and it, you know, It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back after the uh, injury to his hand or his thumb. Yeah. Um, what what he's able to do. Or if he's even able to fully come back from that this season. You saw last year with Russell Wilson breaking his finger that I mean, he never really got back that to grip, where he was. It's important, yeah. that, especially that thumb. Right. Well, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast the other day, and he was talking about assembling the Ewing Theory Committee um, and investigating this Cowboy quarterback situation. Is Cooper Rush? Are the are the Cowboys going to perform better with Cooper Rush as quarterback? Is he the next? Is he the next Tony Romo or Dak Prescott? Sure. You know, yeah. taking over during an injury and, and not giving up the reins. So yeah, It'd be interesting to see. All right, my next um, where I was wrong was uh, Seattle at San Francisco. I had the Seahawks losing, um, but by less than the uh, nine and a half point spread. San Francisco uh, obliterated the Seahawks 27-7. I actually figured that the defense would hold up enough to keep it close. They looked really good against Denver. Um, I didn't count on them not being able to tackle. I felt like they tackled much better in week one. Maybe it's just like the juice of having that first game against, you know, Russell at home. Like there's, you know, they looked a lot better. Um, Seattle's offense is scary bad. Um, their only points right. came on a block field goal attempt in the third quarter. They had only 216 total yards, 180 passing and 36 rushing, three turnovers, and their third down efficiency was 28%. T- time of possession, 21 minutes. They just weren't on the field long enough. They weren't efficient. Um, they weren't able to, to kind of move the ball at all um, in any facet of the offense. Um, they also ran some weird plays. Um, I, I, oh, sorry. I also saw Geno Smith is like leading the league in completion percentage right now because he just dumps it off to running backs and, and in these little tiny short yardage passes. Well, we'll find that a strange. lot of these statistics are misleading. So we, right. you have to have – I think with football more than anything, I think you have to look at the statistics, right? And then you also have to t- take a look at the eye test. Like yeah. what what kind of throws are they? There's right. some deep uh, analytics that can be done to, to, 
to determine success of a quarterback. Yeah. You want to see some pushes downfield. That's how you keep that defense honest. Right. Or they're just going to put everyone in, in the box. They're going to move up players if, you're, if they're not worried about strikes downfield. Yeah, they're not, going to let, they're not going to let the Seahawks run the ball on them unless Geno Smith's making some plays down the field or eventually – um, just like with Mitch Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett, it's going to be Drew Locke in there yeah. uh, to see what he can do. Well, I mean, speaking of like weird, weird plays, um, there was a, we were finally got into the area of the red zone, and we ran some wildcat formations, which, all right, cool. Let's just yeah. throw something different at them. They, they run it two straight plays. Uh, the, the f- and the first one, I was like applauding. I'm like, yes, like – great like run something different try try to throw a little wrinkle in here that's great they had essentially three running backs back there and they could have they were running a read option and all right fine we're catching the defense off guard in this scenario we'll see what happens they run it twice the second time um they do a read option hand off to dj dallas who then proceeds to throw a wobbly pass to the front of the end zone and it's intercepted like literally just tossed it right to the defender the, sh- the, the pass should have gone to the back of the end zone right we all know the rule is back of the end zone throw it high front of the end zone throw it low you want to make sure your guy is the only one that can catch it yeah. if dj dallas doesn't understand these concepts he probably shouldn't be throwing the ball and then my final observation um and also where i was wrong uh, you were right last week is i i had read a story about how his shoulder was still on the mend, which is one of the main reasons why his um, trade market wasn't there. But apparently, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, he was fine. About. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yes, Jimmy G looked really good. Uh, he did. The, the Niners rallied around him, and man, he, they just went out and whooped the Hawks. I honestly don't know that that injury to Trey Lance wasn't a godsend for the 49ers, at least for this year, maybe not for the future. But for this season, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a better chance of leading them potentially to the Super Bowl than Trey Lance has for sure. I'm appreciating the strategy that the 49ers had. I am I am in on Trey Lance. I was not buying a lot of stock, but some. Um, just enough to kind of diversify my portfolio. Uh, but I also appreciate that they hedged and kept, uh, you know, what has been a quality starter in the NFL right. as a backup in that scenario. So, and it seems to be working out. Yeah, right, right. No, I agree. So I have one more kind of observation, or I guess two more, and then I have a whole list of the bets that I made that I was wrong on this week, Mike. Okay. So um, the first thing is in my best kind of a deadpan Troy Aikman voice pre prevent defense prevents you from winning. And it was not more evident than this last weekend in these, all these comeback uh, insane victories where, you know, the defense is playing. Like I heard, I was listening to Bill Simmons as well. And he was like, it looked like Baltimore had nine players on defense, like the entire second half. They just, didn't do anything to put any pressure on uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Didn't do anything to, you know, jam the those speedy receivers uh, Waddle and and Tyreek Hill at the line of scrimmage. Just didn't do anything. Just well, let you these guys want, you run wanna, free. You, you don't want to jam the speedy. Well, guys, they're so. going to get by you and, and blow you away. But um, they just didn't do anything to slow them down, though, which is a problem. Yeah. And they, they those guys ran all over the field on them. 
And then I, the other thing was a question for you. And that is, it's a two-parter. Is Russell Wilson an elite quarterback? Slash, is there something wrong with him? And did the Seahawks make the right move in trading him last offseason? No, no, yes. Okay. He's not an elite quarterback. There's not something wrong with I don't think there's him. anything wrong with him. I think he's just... He is what he is. He is what he is. And I think, yes, it was a good decision. Because let me tell you, watching, uh, I, I almost, like, I, so I'm a diehard Seahawks fan. We all know that by this point in season two. I had more fun watching the Denver game and them, the fans in Denver booing Russell Wilson and the Denver offense than I did watching the Seahawks, I mean, get stomped out by San Francisco. It was just beautiful. Is is Russell the football equivalent of um, Yeezy? Where they start off and you're like, man, this guy is good. You miss the old Kanye. You're, you're listening to the albums. You're like, man, I've never heard anything like this before. Right. Russ is throwing touchdowns, deep bombs, and getting us into the, yeah. in, you know, against uh, the Packers and getting us into the Super Bowl. And everything's going great. And then slowly but surely, like, it starts to kind of go within and kind of plummet into this weird like corny space oh man he loves kids he's going he's he's visiting the children's hospital and then it turns into like weird you know instagram live videos at home and just kind of regressing into this you know weird place that doesn't make any sense i mean i i hesitate to use the word crazy because i think that minimizes you know, people that are actually experiencing mental health right. issues. But in this case, I'm just going to use the kind of the term and just go, they just, he's just starting to get a little off. Right. And I just don't understand what's going on. And I, I know with, with that kind of, kind of mental or, you know, decline, it seems like the play kind of goes with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I saw an extended, we talked a little bit on our, our first iteration of this podcast um, uh, about the, uh, Richard Sherman podcast and uh, with uh, he had the guest on uh, KJ Wright who they were both part of that Legion of Boom defense and they were talking about Pete Carroll kind of coming after Russell after the fact after he was out of town and you know KJ Wright made the point like wow I couldn't believe that well let's set the stage a little bit okay when he was here in that 2013 14 15 range yeah um uh, it was known that there was a different standard that they held the rest of the team right. to that they weren't holding Russell to. So exactly. then fast forward to to, to this your, conversation. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Richard Sherman made that point. Like, Hey, look, it was fine. Like he was criticizing us for our play on defense, but you know, Russell Wilson had a number of bad games back in those, that, that time frame. And he's like, you're not even going to mention this man's name in the in the team meeting, but you're going to, you know, dog us for our mistakes, which is great. Like, thank you for pointing out where we went wrong and where we can improve. But there's nothing that Russell Wilson can improve at this point. And then they made a point that um, I, I saw a kind of a like a nine or ten minute extended clip of this, and they talked about how, you know, a lot of like those guys, all the defensive players. And even like, and you can lump Marshawn Lynch and Doug Baldwin into that group. Are they're all still super tight, but they're not tight with Russell Wilson because he was so focused on other things that he didn't have time to 
be like, these are my boys. I'm taking care of them first, and then everything else will take care of itself, is what K.J. Wright, the point that K.J. Wright made. And they're like, hopefully he can do that in Denver and, and, and find that camaraderie that you that, that is the whole point of playing team sports, right? Yeah. So. Well, I learned a new term the other day, thanks to Angie and, and her kind of master's program. Um, it's called cognitive dissonance. It's essentially where you start to buy your own bullshit okay. to the point where it causes some negative effects in your life. And I think both um, Kanye and Russell currently um, are a victim of this yeah. uh, cognitive dissonance. Yeah, yeah, I could see it, man. Um, all right, and now real quick, I just want to run over my uh, my gambling losses for the week. And, and a win, though, finally, Mike. Um, so my losses... I did a four-team parlay. Thought this was the winner of the year, Mike. We Thought there was no chance. Uh, I had Baltimore minus two and a half and Tampa Bay minus two and a half in the early games. And then the Rams and the Raiders on the money line in the afternoon games. And I like I like stopped even watching the Baltimore game because I'm like, oh, that's a W. Tampa Bay was a W. And then all of a sudden I look, I'm like, I see on my phone it pops up like, Baltimore or uh, Miami's in the red zone again. The front part of this Miami's parlay. In the red zone. I was like, what the? F-? <laughs> and then the Raiders, I mean, even though like I still kind of pay attention to the, the back end of these things, even if I lose one of the early ones. And I'm like, man, like I like, well, I'm like, well, at least I had it other than that one fluke play on the, on the Raven, you know, they're the fluke uh, comeback by the Dolphins on the Ravens. And then the Raiders have the, essentially the exact same thing happened to them as well with, with Kyler Murray. It seems like your parlay was just a like a bad beats episode yeah. from SVP. Oh, it has to be. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure Scott Van Pelt probably covered multiple portions of this. So and my other uh, my other bad bet, I had Green Bay minus ten and I was I chose Tennessee plus ten because I'm like I just felt with Derrick Henry there's no chance that Buffalo I, I just felt like ball control wise that Buffalo, it was going to be tough for Buffalo to beat them by 10 points or more. And I, I felt like it's going to be a push at worst, right? And Buffalo is head and shoulders, from my eye test anyway, better than every other team in the NFL at this point. Even Kansas City, I, they, they, are, they look unstoppable at this point in the season. Obviously, it's only two games in. That's my, my huge overreaction. So I had Green Bay minus 10. Tennessee plus 10, and then I had the over in the Minnesota-Philly game, which looked like it was a winner um, at halftime, and then, like, just no points were scored in the second half, essentially. So um, that was that was my other L. And But I did the W I got was Green Bay minus 10 and the under on the Green Bay-Chicago game, which barely hit. It looked like the, it was going to go over by halftime. I think, I think the over-under was 40 three and a half and it was at 31 at halftime i'm just like i'm done but i got the w there it is love it quite a journey i love hearing about <laughs> it <laughs> all right yeah man i love uh i love your stories of um gambling it's it's hilarious <laughs> um i do have uh one thing that i was right about this week okay and that was denver is a dumpster fire <clears throat> and Ooh. by far the worst team in the afc west dangerous looks cooked He's not cooking. He is cooked. Uh, um, there's this it. article uh, that Ben Solak of The Ringer um, wrote about Denver and Nathaniel Hackett. 
apparently the hire was uh, primarily made to woo Aaron Rodgers. And um, yeah, believe it or not, Mr. Unlimited was the second choice of the Denver Broncos. Okay. Um, Hackett was an OC of the Packers last year, uh, had no head coaching experience, hired a young staff that also had no experience in their current positions. Um, it's just... They're a very young team, not only with their players, but also their entire coaching staff. Right. So it's, you know, honestly, there's no wonder that they're kind of like flailing right now. Um, they also seem to be, uh, have this opposing uh, ways of managing the team. So they go out and they sign what they think is an elite quarterback, a veteran quarterback, sign them up for a $245 million contract. This to me says... We're, we're, all we're missing is an elite quarterback. Uh, we're in this now. However, the coaching staff uh, that they hired is probably two to three years away. They haven't really developed um, as leaders, as teachers, um, and I, I'm yet to see them effectively develop players in that position. So they're kind of operating um, on, two polar, on two polar opposites right now. Right. Either we're, we're, we're here to win now, and we're developing talent. And those, those unfortunately, are opposing forces. You know, real quick, I did, I heard uh, while listening to Bill, I know we both listen to Bill Simmons' podcast pretty religiously, but um, I did hear him make the point of, you know, they, they kind of went over Russell Wilson's stat line for the game, and they were just like, Gino, or uh, not Geno Smith, Drew Locke couldn't have done this for you? Like, what? you guys gave up all this draft capital, players that could have helped you, and you, you know, you're getting the same numbers that Drew Locke would have done for you. Drew Locke probably beats Houston as the Denver quarterback last week. Uh, Drew Locke, a lot of turnovers. It's really disheartening yeah. when he throws three picks a game. But it's also he's had move. three different offensive coordinators his first three years in Denver leading up to this season. Is that really Seattle. Drew Locke's problem? Let's be honest. He's no. He's not starting over – Geno Smith right now. That's true. All right. I mean, let's put it in perspective. It's a great theory, and it's cool but to Gino say. Smith's but Geno Smith's been in this offense for four years now. And I don't. I don't think. I mean, I don't know talent. Ta- talent. That. Talent figures in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I no. I agree, though. They look terrible. I had. I enjoyed. I already mentioned. I enjoyed the hell out of watching uh, the fans boo the boo the team as. That is a as, lot of fun. Uh, as it played out there. And I'll talk more about that from my perspective as we uh, look forward to week three. So speaking of that, tell me what you got. Uh, what's the first game that you're uh, excited to see uh, this week? Number one game for me is Buffalo and Miami. Same. Is it? Yeah. I, I just want to see how Miami, uh, how they, how much can they keep going after that crazy comeback loss? Like how much does that really take out of them uh, from a, an emotional standpoint? And Buffalo, like I've already mentioned, it looks like the head and shoulders, the best team in the NFL to me. Miami's getting hyped right now in the press, obviously. 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, they look good. Uh, they're playing a, a perennial top two team in the AFC this week at home, mind you. Um, this is their first real test, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how, how, how that plays out. Um, it could potentially be a letdown game. We see that a lot. You have a lot of like an emotional kind of draining game. You come back, you're happy, and then just you can't 
kind of pull that together the, the next week. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they do. I'm excited to watch that game as well. Yeah, though. yeah. And Buffalo is probably only a few weeks away from from 17-0 and talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just it, – it happens every year. They, they glom onto one team and, and start questioning that. So, um, I think they're I think they're definitely the ones at this point. But uh, yeah, what's your uh, what's your next or your game top game other than that Buffalo Miami game, Mike? Well, I am really enjoying watching uh, Philadelphia this year. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do uh, Philly at Washington. Um, I am still vacationing on Eagles Island every weekend. It's a great getaway. It's a fun time. There's a lot of other islands out there that you can enjoy with great beaches. Slay Island, for example, um, that was a lot there of fun Slay, this weekend. Baby. Um, so I'm really looking forward to kind of Philly um, taking it to the traffickers. Yeah, Darius Slay uh, definitely uh, kicked Justin Jefferson off of uh, off of his island this last week after everyone was calling him the best player in uh, football. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one as well. Like, there's a lot of really good games this weekend. I'm excited for. So, yeah. Um, you know, my my next one is uh, San Francisco and Denver. Like, Denver, the Seahawks game. I'm definitely watching every Seahawks game this year, just because I've watched probably every Seahawks game since 1995. Um, but you haven't missed watching, one game since 95. I mean, I probably well, yeah, I'm sure I've missed a game or two, but okay. I've caught the vast majority of them. Uh, but I'm going to be watching every Denver game this year with, with great uh, anxiety, hoping that they lose as much as I hope the Seahawks win. So I am really enjoying the Denver shit show. I am rooting uh, this week for an NFC, uh, NFC West rival. Um, I'm anxious to see. I'm anxious to see. This what is Jimmy, so fun to watch yeah, him kind of fail. I'm anxious to see what Jimmy G looks like uh, after getting a week there with the starters uh, back in kind of in the fold in San Francisco there. Yeah. So um, I'm going to lump all these together. I'm really looking forward to the afternoon games uh, this week. Oftentimes the better games are in the uh, the early game uh, here on the West Coast, the 10 a.m. 10 a.m. games. Um, those are generally the better games uh, this week. It's definitely the afternoon games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Jacksonville at uh, Chargers. It's a rebound game for the Chargers. I want to see how uh, Herbert's ribs are. Um, does the OC finally let him to really push the ball downfield? He was really, really good getting the ball downfield uh, versus the Chiefs. Right. Does but he they, even play, though? Like That's, that's going to be interesting to kind of follow along. My, my guess game. is he plays. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. yeah, I think he plays. So, well, Jacksonville, though, man, we didn't even talk about them. Like what a freaking performance putting up twenty four nothing against the Colts and the Colts were kind of everyone's darling going into this. Season. I was a huge Colts fan after the um, in season uh, hard knocks last yeah. year. I thought I, I really liked the coaching staff. Um, I thought the players, um, although not like household names, they were really really solid players. A lot of enthusiasm. They really they appear to really enjoy playing the game. They uh, work together well, and they look good through that um, through that in-season um, stretch. Just yeah. unfortunately, right after that, they I think they lost like three games in a row right. and, and ended up not making the playoffs. So they're really yeah. c- continuing that tradition, um, yeah. that losing tradition this this year. Yeah, and the, are there some other? Yeah, yeah, I got a couple games? more. Yeah, so yeah, I got go Rams, Arizona. Um, I just want to see how good the NFC West is. 
um, just in general. Like we kind of, um, the Seahawks were the only team in the NFC West to win in week one. Uh, most of the teams are even this week, one and one. Um, so it's kind of like locked up. I want to see how good the Cardinals are. Uh, they looked uh, pretty bad against the Chiefs. Not pretty bad. They looked horrible against the Chiefs. Uh, this week, they fought back against the Raiders team and kind of uh, won that uh, at the end of the you know, in overtime. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm interested to see how well they play against, you know, the Rams. How, how are the Rams going to bring a running game finally? Does that's, that like, does important. that help move the offense? Uh, I felt like the defense of the Rams found their footing last week. So I'm, I'm interested to see if that continues. Can they contain Kyler Murray? So uh, that'll be fun. Um, also, Atlanta at Seattle. Um, again, again, another rebound game for uh, the Hawks versus uh, what I would call the cursed Falcons. Um, I, I believe offense is better at home, especially as it relates to the Hawks. Um, I have a theory that you know, obviously average to good quarterbacks can always perform well at home. Um, elite quarterbacks perform well at both home and away. So I'm not looking for Mariota to do much here. I think Geno Smith can settle in at home um, and kind of move the ball a little bit more than we did uh, in San Francisco. I may be a victim of the moment, but after watching that game on Sunday, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would definitely not hold my breath on, on Geno Smith leading an offensive charge in this game, but you know, you never know. Well, I'm not holding my breath at anything like that. But what I will say is, like, I have had a tendency in the past to kind of, like, overreact significantly. Like, oh, this yeah. sucks. They suck. There's the worst right. team I've ever seen. When, in fact, after the first three games, they go one and three. And right. then they, they rattle off four in a row. And then all of a sudden, they're at the top of the NFC West. We've seen that happen over the last uh, decade several times with that team. So, and well, not I think, that this is the same team. Right. But there's, there's always you mentioned parity there's opportunity there game to game and i think atlanta is an opportunity for geno smith and the hawks i can completely agree with that one my final two uh green bay at tampa um for no other reason other than these are probably two of the top three teams in the nfc and i just exactly uh and then i just want to i want to see how they play against each other the best of the best in the in the conference let's see what happens um, yeah, it should be a good game. Is the NFC good? I think maybe we'll find out here if it's, yeah. you know, if if the talent in the NFC can compete with the AFC right now. And then finally, um, you know, San Francisco Denver, you had mentioned that. I think we yeah. talked the talked the heck out of that. So, that's my final game. Yeah, my last game there, Mike, is uh I'm anxious to see Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit after getting in the win column this week, and Minnesota, I want to see how they bounce back after kind of being the talk of the NFL that first week with Justin Jefferson just going crazy and two and, teams where the arrows are going in opposite directions, yeah. yeah. And and really after they they were going the opposite direction of that the week before, so it's kind of a you know kind of Jekyll and Hyde type uh, situation. But I'm I'm anxious to see what what both of those teams can do against one another. Sands Bears, I think we might see that a lot, some jockeying in the NFC mm-hmm. or the yeah the NFC North. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my other one that I'm really looking forward to, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to this weekend's going to be great. There's a lot of good games this weekend for sure. 
All right, cool. Uh, anything else for looking forward to week three? No, I'm ready to get to these predictions. Let's do it. I'll lead off this. Uh, my first prediction, San Francisco at Denver. Seems like Vegas is still giving the Broncos a little bit too much credit for my liking. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take San Francisco at minus one and a half. I, I can't believe that spread is that low. It's, it's, it's at to me, San Francisco too, right? It's at, it's in Denver, but oh, I don't think it, it matters. Okay. I don't think it matters. Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, you know, Denver and Russell Wilson not being able to move the ball against Seattle. I mean, I guess he moved the ball. He wasn't able to get, get points on the board, though, against uh, Seattle or Houston, which are two of probably the worst five teams in the NFL. Um, really, I, I'm anxious to see what they look like against San Francisco. Do they step up or do they fold? And I, I don't see them really stepping up. So um, with, with yeah Nick Bosa – and that defensive front on on San Francisco is going to be a problem. I feel like for for uh, Denver. So yeah, I don't think the Denver offensive line is going to hold up. I think no. Russ is going to be under duress most of the day. I think the San Francisco secondary um, is going to be very good at making sure things stay in front. There's no not going to be any big explosive plays as far as I can tell. Um, Jerry Judy got injured in this last game, so right. I don't know what his status is at this point. I haven't really looked that up, but. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on as well. And I think San Francisco is going to take it to them on the running game. They're fun to watch. Yeah. Their running game is – They're good. It's the most exciting running game I've seen in a long time. Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. Uh, my number one game, Mike, I've already bet $100 on this one. Uh, Buffalo minus five and a half at Miami. You give me Buffalo. I know it's on the road. And they're a road favorite. You give me Buffalo against pretty much anybody but maybe Kansas City – with less than it being less than a touchdown favorite, I'm probably taking that bet every time. Maybe not a hundred dollar bet, but I'm gonna throw a few bucks down on that every time. Yeah, I think five and a half's just like perfect. I mean, yeah. you, I mean, I believe Buffalo is gonna win that game. So if if that and it sounds like that's your yeah. opinion as well. So yeah. if that's the case, you got to take minus five and a half because no matter what scenario, I don't think Miami's beaten them by more than a than a touchdown. Well, no, they're minus five and a half. So they have to win by six points. Denver does, or uh, Buffalo does. No, I got it, but I'm just a touchdown Oh, I see six. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I got you. Yep. Um, yeah, what's your next uh, prediction? Um, my next uh, prediction is uh, LA Rams at Arizona. I think the Rams are significantly better than the Cardinals. Uh, so I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half. I agree. I saw somebody tweet out, I think I sent it to you as well this week, that said, Showed a clip of Kyler Murray running for the maybe for the two point conversion or the the last touchdown of that game or just send it to overtime, and they said that one of the observations of of Kyler Murray at the scouting combine was that he looked like a toddler running away from grabbing their father's phone and running away from their father. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the clip and I was like, I'm never going to be able to unsee this now. It's like, it, he does look like a little, little, little baby running away. It was the, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen, but yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. No respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Baltimore minus three at new England. Um, really like, I think the Ravens, um, their offense is so good. And I just think, I think New England is going to try to scheme them enough, but it's only a three-point spread. I don't think that Mac Jones and the New England offense has the capabilities of keeping up with uh, New England. 
or, uh, with Baltimore and that Ravens defense. So I think it's going to be I, – I really like that, that game as well. I think for the rest of the season – I New England's a stay away from me. I just I can't figure them out. It's like trying to um, bet a college game. You just you just never know. Even with the points, you just never know how these teams match up because it's not fair right. at all in college. So I just don't un, I don't I don't have uh, a good sense of what you know Belichick's gonna do and what he is able to pull out of certain players in certain moments. So um, it's a stay away from me. Good luck on you on that one. Okay. So I actually had one more observation. Yeah. yeah, On this, and it's not really a bet, but it seems I was kind of looking at some of the, the point spreads and it seems that Vegas thinks that a lot of these matchups this week, at least are pretty much like a pick them situation. Um, Eight of the 16 games had a spread of uh, three points or less, and one was three and a half. And I just yeah. like that's, I mean, honestly, that's <laughs> go either way uh, for some of these numbers for these point spreads. So that's interesting. Speak back to your, par- your point of parity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I like that. I, I do. That's interesting to me, too. Um, my last uh, prediction for this weekend or bet that I would. I'm interested in is Jacksonville as a seven point uh, underdog at the Chargers. I feel like we don't know if Herbert's going to play. We don't know how well Herbert's going to be able to play. I, I assume having broken rib cartilage, which I didn't even know you could break your cartilage, um, has to be a pretty painful experience. Uh, Jacksonville coming off of this. Um, shocking win to to me think i mean i thought indianapolis was going to bounce back against those guys uh and they just really came at them hard and fast and and did not let up and i'm i'm just i'm excited to see how that game plays out i'm excited to see what jacksonville can do as far as trevor lawrence in that offense with doug peterson uh running the show i I just i i think it's going to be a great game i don't see the Chargers. Chargers seem to let teams stay in games a that lot. That is true. Yeah. So I'm I'm anxious for that one. All right. I say, hey Herbert, get your flap jacket on. Get the yeah. shot. There's really nothing you can do if you can play through the pain. Then do it. Um, it is what it is with these types of injuries. Right. But can he play through the pain? We'll see. Yep. Yep. All right. I guess we're uh, we're moving on to our uh, our hot take slash conspiracy corner. Yep, we're in. We're we're knee deep in that. So I'll go. Yep. How uh, many do you have? On this I, I have four. I have four. Yeah. I'll let you. Why don't you run through two? Because I only have one. Okay. So my first one is uh, Wentz doesn't pass the eye test for me. And I don't know if this is a hot take. Really, I think a lot of people uh, have this opinion. His numbers look fine. Um, last week he was uh, three thirty seven, three TDs and a pick. Um, and that's pretty much what he, you know, threw the week before. So he's like above 600 yards, like five or six TDs, a few interceptions. I think he had uh, two last week. Um, but he just doesn't look right. There's something off, like with the way he throws. The you know he seems to make mistakes at really bad points of the game. His accuracy is shaky. Um, he doesn't make the team better. Doesn't get you know doesn't get him into the playoffs. And, you know, I really felt like he, when he was with Philly, that, oh, wow, this guy 
knows what he's doing and it just it seems like i haven't seen like a drop like that in a minute yeah yeah for sure um yeah i mean carson wentz has never been the one for me like i've always thought there was something just i didn't like i've never i've just never liked him as a as a elite quarterback i know he uh He's a little lanky. He's a little floppy. I think his um, kind of personal beliefs are a little. Uh, and, yeah, I'm rough not even. I'm not even talking to about, like a, as just, far as I, I do. Like I know what really... you're talking about. Yeah, but I'm. I'm just like as from just a player perspective, I've just never really been a fan. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think you're onto something there for sure. Yeah. So my next uh, hot take here is the football Hall of Fame should remove Brett Favre from the Hall of Fame full stop what do you got for me you know i we we chatted about this a little bit over the week you 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 sent that text to me and i think the first thing i said was i probably agree but that's a slippery slope it is in fact a slippery slope i definitely acknowledge like where do you where do you draw the line because i believe oj simpson is still a member of the hall of fame i mean there's some probably pretty terrible people that have done some pretty terrible things in the Hall of Fame. And Brett Favre has done some terrible things, man. He's not a good person, uh, especially, you know, after – I mean, there was already some question about how he treats women and things like that before this stuff came out about him essentially stealing money from his own state, the poor people in his own state, to fund a freaking volleyball arena. So basically so, he went – from towards the end of his career, uh, drug abuse uh, to massive misogyny um, and sexual harassment, which led into um, fraud, essentially, against a, um, the Mississippi um, welfare system. Right. So. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's a piece of shit. I, I you know, I mean, well, where do you start it? Yeah. Where, you where started do you start with start OJ. It? Yeah. Out. Don't let him benefit from the 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 accolades and the the whatever benefits you get with that yellow jacket. So you just you're out. We, we're taking you out. You remove the bust. You remove all likeness of him. Uh, maybe you leave a record in there or two with his name on it, but that's it. Just for context, you don't you can't really remove somebody from a record book per se, but you can you can stop honoring him in a place where we honor people. Uh, and I think Brett Favre is definitely a candidate to get removed from that. Um, yeah. Shannon Sharp had gone off uh, on a rant on this, and I agreed with him in a lot, a lot of his points. And he, he called out something in particular that um, T.O., who, you know, he he's polarizing for sure, but it's basically he just kind of irritated people, right? And they kept him out of the Hall of Fame for a couple of rounds just to prove some sort of like point. It was like punitive, right? Um, and then they put they, they talk about how great a teammate Favre was and how amazing he was as a quarterback and his career and all these different things. And um, with T.O., they, they keep him out. So I just wonder, like, why do we promote guys like this just because they played a, a game like a game well for you know several years right. like let's remove all the shitty things that Brett Favre has done he definitely deserves to be in the hall but 
we have to understand that we we can't decouple all the shitty things we do throughout our life because we did something good here. I agree. I yeah. I mean, I do agree with you. I think it's it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a slippery slope, but I think you have to start somewhere. OJ. Yep. Then Brett Favre. <laughs> and then we'll see. All right. My uh, my first and only uh, kind of hot take slash conspiracy thing is going back to what we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago with Tom Brady going to Dana White talking about Tom Brady and Gronkowski were going to come to the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden uh, nixed the deal at the last minute and kind of pissed everybody off in the situation. Uh, I didn't realize Gronkowski essentially co-signed everything that Dana White said. He asked him about it on his podcast said, uh, and, and Dana White said, Gronk, you're, you're well, the let, one that asked me to talk about this story. Let's, let's be careful about the word co-sign because co-sign means he okay. came out and specifically so made I believe, a comment. I believe the exact. He kind of was nonchalant about it. I believe it. the exact quote was, Gronk, you're the one that brought this up and wanted me to talk about it or wanted me to tell the story. And then Gronk said, Maybe I was almost here for No, three he years. said, You told the story. And that was it. Yeah. So, um, you know. That's not a confirmation to me, Okay. It was, it was close. I mean, it's as close as we're probably ever going to get to a confirmation. Here's what I'll say I believe that it probably, the conversations happened, and I believe that the conversations did reach the voice of the Raiders. What I, what I don't believe is that Tom was ready to buy property in Las Vegas and they were there to sign deals. I don't think any of that stuff happened. So I don't think it moved down the road that far. Tom Brady went on. LeBron James's show on HBO called The Shop. Yeah. And said basically was talking about before he signed with Tampa Bay where he was going to go. <clears throat> said that wait, you he said something to the effect that wait, you're going to stick with that motherfucker over me? And everybody was like, who's that motherfucker? Ryan Fitzpatrick this week, though, Well, because came out. Of the Miami Dolphins thing had come out, um, right. that they were going to give him ownership, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And so Ryan Fitzpatrick came out this week on a couple of different, uh, both on the, the Thursday night show, all that stuff, and basically alluded to that he thought he was that motherfucker. And Tom Brady came out and said, no, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you are not that motherfucker. So now everybody on the internet is assuming that Derek Carr was that motherfucker. And that's what that's what uh, Tom Brady is upset about. So if you're listening um, to this with your kids in the car, I apologize. apologize. We don't normally throw those out so much. No, we don't. Sorry. That was that was like six MFers in like uh, three sentences. I apologize to you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm 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 here for it. I love I love the uh, drama. I love all this stuff. So um, that's my that my conspiracy thing is that I think that they were going to go to the Raiders and and. And Gruden nixed the deal. Well, I believe that Gruden was never going to allow that. He couldn't have somebody questioning his authority. I think he's a very insecure man. Uh, I think he's a bully. Um, I think he's another one of those kind of what you would call a piece of shit that just kind of writes emails about people, you know, focus, you know, basically even his conversation is bully, like talking about um, the NFLPA's 
president in a very kind of racially um, degrading way. So, absolutely. All right. Well, what's your What's your next one? Um, is it time to write off the Colts? Uh, they're, they're only uh, o one and one uh, in the division. Uh, no signs of getting better. I think they're probably missing the playoffs this year. I could probably cross them off. They're a cross off in my book. Yeah, I, I you know. I feel like the NFL media gaslit all of us into thinking like Matt Ryan was this year's Matt Stafford going from Detroit to to the Rams and that uh, the Colts had a chance to win the Super Bowl. But after watching these first two games, they have no shot. I think Matt looks very – I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He looks frantic out there. It's like he doesn't know what's happening yet. And maybe it's going to take him time to kind of figure out the defense – I'm sorry, the offense – um, and, you know, in the meantime, let's just rely on, you know, Jonathan Taylor for a little bit. Let's give him the ball while we figure this stuff out, work off of play action, some easy throws, um, and then kind of build from there. Uh, I think sometimes you have a tendency, you got a veteran quarterback who's ha- seen a lot of success in his, in his career, come in, he's a smart guy, he understands what he's doing, he understands how to diagnose a defense, and you just go, here, take it. And just not everyone's in the same page. He throws a different ball. He throws it at a different angle, has a different kind of rotation to it. People are not really on the page yet uh, that they, they need to be. So perhaps um, by the second or third uh, part of the season, um, they, they might be firing on all cylinders. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That was my overreaction <laughs> for this week. Uh, finally, I noticed... Um, Thursday night football, um, their coverage like is really really bad. Uh, Al Michaels and Kirk, uh, Kurt Herbstreet um, seem to hate each other. Like Kirk would made fun of Al's age, like at least four or five times, and just kept like, "Oh, I remember you. <laughs> you uh, called that game." And he goes, "I don't know. I was 16, or you know, whatever." Just like that little banter. It's just like it's not particularly charming i don't get the sense that they like each other um man it's just a really really boring boring call and i love al michaels and i like kirk Herbstreet in college at least but he's it's so far they're not uh there's no chemistry between those two yeah there's it's very true like i was shocked i really like kirk Herbstreet as a college announcer i think he's great and i i didn't really mind him i just don't think they they don't work very well together the two of them the halftime show, uh, Carissa Thompson seems like there's no energy there. Um, I like Richard. At least he brings something. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was kind of a no-show, just like a like a outline of a player in a seat, really. And um, Tony Gonzalez, I, I can't believe he took the job in at the uh, CBS studios back in the day over Shannon Sharp. He's a he's a robot, like a football automaton. There's nothing bringing nothing to the table. No energy, no nothing. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And I and then I'm I keep thinking like I know they talked about having Andrew Whitworth be a part of it too, and I don't know that he really adds much that I want to see either. So yeah, it's a it's a tough one for sure. Well, hopefully Kirk and Al can figure it out over the course of the season. Yeah. Because I really like Al. I think he calls a good game. There's just no analysis coming from Kirk. Right. 100% agree. All right. That's all I had. 
Let's move oh, on to divert. Every every week we like to look at something. We like to diversify kind of what we're talking about on this show. So we, we pick a few things that we did or looked at or read or whatever this week. And uh, um, so, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Yeah, I mean, the first thing was I'm, I know last night it was breaking news. It's not it's, it's a little old tonight, but uh, it's that Robert Sarver has made the made the announcement that he's going to sell the the sun and the mercury um after being a complete pos and um you know saying he wasn't going to sell was just going to take the year suspension and the however many you know hundreds of thousands of dollar fine millions of dollar fine i'm not sure what it was exactly but um you know good i'm glad he's well selling, let's let's but... read his statement what he said oh yesterday, yeah go right? let's go you all got right it here there? we go i am a man of faith I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that this is no longer possible. And whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by the things that I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. So let's let's take a look at this statement, right? So let's break it wow. down a little bit, right? So um, let's start with just the first statement. I am a man of faith, and I just go like. There are. What does that have to do with anything? Well, I, I think what he's trying to say is that he is a good person because he's a man of faith. But I don't see that in his actions. So this is, he's trying to like subvert, you know, the things that he said and the things that he's done and say, I am a man of faith. To me, it's a cop out, just like uh, you see politicians say this a lot, like when they mess up, like, you know, I have daughters yeah. and it's just like, I have a black friend. Yeah, so they, they throw, they throw the women in their life right. uh, in front of the moving train of, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I don't like the whole idea of no trying to deflect from the things that you've done. If this isn't, if you want to make an apology, you talk about the things that you do right? and you apologize for those things and you don't use qualifiers and then you talk about the things that you're going to do um, to fix those. So he's never talked about what he was going to do to uh, make amends or um, no, he, what, what was he focusing on? Like, well, he is we, we more like, oh, this this culture that we're in won't allow me to. to... So he's passing right. the blame on the culture of unforgiveness, right. which is just accountability. Which is just fucking yeah, it's ridiculous. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry to drop another f bomb in there. Anyway, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The guy is a is a. I mean, he had a culture built around the Phoenix Suns and and Phoenix Mercury of just terrible work environments, women having to deal with unwanted and unprovoked, you know, uh, I don't even know, like just situate being put in awkward situations that they shouldn't have to deal with, and. And there was racial stuff that was going on with him too, I believe. Like it, it's it's a, it kind of runs down the 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 list of 
um, terrible things that, that these billionaire owners do. Here's what I think happened. Are, are barely slapped on the wrist for. When this came out. So we had, we had some proof that he said some, some racially insensitive things. Uh, we have some proof that he was um, saying some sexually disparaging things towards women in his office. Um, we know these things happened. Uh, he's created a toxic working environment with the way that he handles, you know, personnel. We know all of these things happened. And we essentially got a slap on the wrist. And he wanted that to be okay. My guess is he was part of the negotiations to accept that like a Probably. plea deal yeah. if you will and when and when that plea deal was not accepted by the public i think um the second highest percentage owner of that team had come forward and said that sarver had to leave i wanted him to leave he needs to sell his piece of the team i don't want yeah. a part of this team you mentioned um that some of their sponsors like paypal, PayPal. had threatened to leave if he the was players, part of the team uh, the executive director of the players union came out and said that the players didn't want him to be the owner any longer. So that pressure actually affects the bottom line, not only for the NBA, but you know, for uh, the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Suns, and right. and the Mercury. So once that starts happening, you get board of directors involved, and the collective percentage of your board of directors and your owners actually overpower his thirty-three or thirty-five percent, whatever it was. Now they can't force him to sell those shares, but what they can do is force him out. So. There, my guess is having a meeting that says, you're not going to be part of this. I don't care about a one-year suspension. You're not going to be a part of this. And he goes, well, screw you. I'm just going to sell. I can't do this. I could see that. That's, that's my take on it. I could and, see that. And I'm glad. I don't want him in the, NF, in, in the NBA. Yeah. I, I don't want to have an owner like that part of a sport that I, that I love. I agree. 100%. So my next one is um, a movie that I watched this uh, this week. It's called The Hunt. It was uh, made in 2020, directed by uh, Craig Sobel. He was famous for shows like The Leftovers, uh, Westworld, and uh, a show that I really like, Mayor of Easttown. He directed seven of, uh, I think, the 10 episodes. So um, still on my list. Man. Check it out. It is so good. It's it's basically a story about like if if our political climate had a baby with uh, surviving the game, it would be the hunt. Oh man, yeah. I think I've seen like the opening kind of uh, like twenty minutes of this movie. So go, yeah, go ahead. Let's. let's so the, the the high level rev, you know summary of this is that liberal elites um, create something called the hunt, which where they gather like 12 or 13 stereotypical right-wing uh, character caricatures and basically drug them, take them to a, a, to a location where they're kind of fenced in and then proceed to hunt them in various different ways. So um, it's so f it's it's hilarious. If you are very serious about either the right or the left, I would say you're not going to have a good time it. with this. <laughs> but if you have a sense of humor, and uh, you're okay with some occasional violence, then let I would definitely check this out. It is funny. It is like just absolutely hilarious. The stereotypes uh, for both the left and the right are just kind of really spot on. Um, so that's pretty funny. No, that's great. That's great. I'm, 
I need to go back and watch the the rest of it. I'm kind of like the the violence, like the bloody violence, kind of like turns me off on movies a lot of time. But I'm gonna go back and uh, give this one a shot. It's so. almost like it's not it's not serious violence, right? right. It's like playing, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto or something like right. that. Um, but okay. it's 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 pretty funny. So I know we've kind of this this uh, the, my my one big one this week was a series that I watched the whole thing. You know, it's a five episode ESPN Plus series um, called Banana Land. We've kind of mentioned the Savannah Bananas on the last two uh, podcasts that we've had so far this season. Uh, and, and this this documentary series follows uh, Jesse Cole, who is the owner of the Savannah Bananas. He was a, a really good high school pitcher. I think he ended up going to Wofford University or University of Wofford. Uh, threw out his arm, ended up just getting a, a degree, and uh, took over at like 23 years old on uh, as the general manager of some kind of no-name uh, Middle America minor league team. And when he heard that the minor league team playing in Savannah, Georgia, was moving after you know 80 years or something, he contacted the city and was like, "Why don't you let me bring in?" something new and I, I believe the first couple seasons that they were there it was um kind of like a, a cape cod league type thing where like a college all-star type team where they would go use wood bats in the summer uh and, and play you know other teams in the area so this is a traveling team not associated with any franchises exactly yes okay. I think, yeah, when they moved from Savannah, when they were in Savannah, their original team that was there was associated with the Major League Baseball team, and then they moved, and now it's no longer affiliated with that. So he did that, but he was kind of obsessed with Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum. The showmanship of it Yes, and wanted to have essentially like a Harlem Globetrotters mm. um maybe meets that that movie basketball with the the guys that made south park yeah brought that movie out back in like the late 90s um where it's kind of they because they changed some of the rules to it too right they have another team uh that plays against the savannah bananas uh called the party the savannah party animals they they resemble if anyone hasn't listened to our uh audible episode about the super bowl halftime shows they they really resemble mike's favorite band lmfao as far as their uh their dress not a true and, statement <laughs> and uh they so they play the, these two teams they make them so instead of like harlem globetrotters washington generals they make the teams very even um they play you know they the every game sold out they uh they have thousands of people on the waiting list for season tickets they said and so you mentioned this. They basically it's a five part series. It starts with like some information on the con, you know, the inception of the yeah, team, yeah, and, and, and then kind follows of, them through this tour that they yeah like, they, traveling end up, they tour. end up going on a small like southeast tour from a few cities in Florida and another city in Georgia, some other, um, and then the, the culmination is they go and play. And and the whole the whole tour they're just playing each other. It's the the right. bananas versus the party animals. The last um, the last game they play or the last series that they play they go to Kansas City and play the Monarchs. They touch a lot on like the Negro leagues because the Kansas City Monarchs are historically sure. a Negro League team. Uh, they go to the the Negro League Hall of Fame is in Kansas City, so the whole team goes there. They get a lot of a lot of information about that. Um, but this is like a, it's like a circus. It's like a, if, if you haven't been to a, 
Harlem Globetrotters game. Um, that's what it's really like. It's it, it, from the scene. There's dancing. There's all kinds of uh, craziness. It seems and more fun than a than a Globetrotter. Like you would I've love seen, it. I've I know you're not a baseball fan, and, and you would love it. So the game they they change the rules. They call it banana ball. Um, there's it's a two hour time limit. Thank God. You can't start an inning after two hours. Uh, batters can't step out of the batter's box and waste time. Uh, there's no walks. If a player does walk, then every player in the field has to touch the ball before it's live. So the, the batter can just take off hauling around and as far as they can make it before every player touches the ball and then gets the ball like and is able it's to either tag him this out or or get you know like they can a lot of times they make it to third base second base whatever the case may be it's just fun though right it's uh it's so much fun um they they uh each inning one team the most points you or the most uh each team wins one inning or can win an inning you get one point for winning an inning if you score more runs than the other team in the inning you win the inning if you're tied at the end of the inning nobody gets a point at the end of seven innings, or I mean, sorry, at the end of the two hours, or, or however many innings they can fit in. Are you literally explaining every rule here? I mean, there's only sound, six. It there's only confusing. six. There's only six. You right. So you get a point per inning. You can get a point per inning. That's like that's how they judge the game instead of just how many runs you score. Uh, whichever team uh, scores the most runs in that inning gets a, gets the point. If teams are tied at the end of the two hours. They go to what I forget what they called it, but it's essentially a pitcher and a catcher and one fielder and then a hitter. The hitter hits the ball and you're either getting all the way home or you're out. So it's just it's like a fun way to end the game, like a, you know, kind of a I mean, it's not a sudden death situation because the other team gets to go after you. But um, it's it's a fun way to, to end the game instead of you know, going to extra innings and just playing more game. So, well, very check fun. It out. I'll yeah, check it, it was out. very fun. I think, I mean, it, it's, I think I care less about like the rules of the game and more about like the history and kind of watching these guys go on this tour and, and yeah. kind of watching and the fun of, ensue. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of like a guy comes out on stilts and pitches yep. and hits. I've and, seen like, some it's, of these on yeah, Twitter and fun. whatnot. Yeah. Eric Burns is, is the manager for the Savannah Bananas, who's kind of an eccentric former Major League Baseball player. A lot of fun. I mean, it's nothing serious. It, it was it was entertaining, though, for sure. Awesome. I'll check it out. All right. So what's your last couple of... Uh... I have one more, and it's regarding uh, an experience that, that we had, uh, me and you, a couple weeks ago while kind of driving around town, uh, going to see a couple of your nephews... Um, football games um, so for those who don't know Jeremy had a spinal cord injury and is uh, in a wheelchair um, and as such we have you know special automobiles and stuff like that and it requires you know ramps to get into the stadium and you know generally some special seating and um, I just you're not confronted with the lack of accessibility as a, like a a person that doesn't have that that isn't disabled um and it was call you able-bodied able-bodied being able-bodied i'm barely able-bodied um but it's just like seeing kind of the things that you have to like go through on a day-to-day basis so a little kind of 
background on this. So we we got to the first place and thank goodness there was an, enough open handicap parking spots right. um, that had the appropriate space in between the spots so we could drop your ramp down and you could back out. Right. Um, but there's only like one ramp generally at these stadiums. It's generally at the opposite end of you know where you come in. Um, they have little cutouts or nooks, I guess, where people who have wheelchairs or you know whatever um, can sit. But there's no way for for people to actually have their loved ones or their the people that go there with them to the game next to them. There's no like like able-bodied seating, not even something that flips down so you can sit next. So I ended up bringing a chair because I had no idea what was going on. So we got lucky in that regard. Um, the other place was horrible. They put you, they put us all the way towards um, the end. Uh, there's a garbage can in front of us. There was, it was right where the, the entrance comes up. So people were constantly walking in front of us. I don't know how anyone could enjoy the game in those scenarios. Again, no way where for me to sit where I could see the game right. um, next to you. Um, so we ended up having to like basically go down to where the track was and just kind of get inside the fence line and watch the game from there. Thank goodness no one really... Um, we didn't have passes or anything and no one really seemed to care. So it was a good experience from that point forward. Um, and then finally the parking at that particular game, um, there was all of the, the, the spots, um, were taken. So we ended up having, and I'm, I, I'm panicking. I didn't know what I was supposed to do at this point. I'm driving, I'm driving him at this point. And, um, we have to get into a position where we can like get the ramp down and he can get out. And it, t it t takes a little bit of time to do this, but I mean, sure enough, he just like been there, done that. He's like, man, just <laughs> kind of back into the spot, pull out, I'll get out. Uh, we'll pull, you know, put the ramp back in and you just back in and, and we'll go from there. So you were very calm, very collected. Um, but it was such a, an eye opening experience that, we really don't do a good job with accessibility and um yeah i somehow we got to get better at this yeah you know i'm 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 really glad that it affected you the way that it did because we've we've had a couple of conversations since then about it and more than a couple really and you know it's refreshing to hear like an able-bodied person be like man like i can't believe this is what you got you know what what you guys it were, yeah what people in your situation have to deal with and it's true because you know like i think when we were leaving that second field as well there's like all these people are like just crammed in and they're like leaned up against the wall like i'm trying to get through the walkway yeah. and i'm just like i you know i don't even they couldn't even bother to yeah, move their hand even, back right. because they were looking at their phone right so it's like i'm bumping into people on the way out and it's just like you know it's just par for the course but um, yeah, I mean, definitely this country needs to do better as far as accessibility goes. And this is definitely a sports related topic because, yeah, we're, I mean, the, there's definitely kids in those high schools. Like we were, both of the games we went to were at, uh, were at, they were little league games, but they were at local high schools. Right. And yeah, there's nowhere for somebody to sit with you at those games, like at all. Like it's crazy. So uh, yeah, the, the schools need to do better for sure. It was a great time watching the games once we got settled in. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, I had a great time hanging out, uh, with a good friend. It just, 
yeah, we got to do better. I don't know how else to say it. it I'm still processing kind of what it takes. Um, uh, Angie works in um, disability uh, accessibility, um, DNR, I think they call it, um, diversity. So one of her big things is, you know, accessibility. So I, I've been talking to her quite a bit about it and just kind of, is there anything that, you know, we can do? Um, I'll, I'll, it'll be, no, it's constant, it's constantly in my mind at this point. Like, we're, uh, to, to, to that point, we were at, um, um, I was at Urgent Care um, on Monday this week and I was kind of looking out at the parking lot and they have two spots right up front with a walkway that came in between. And I th was thinking to myself, if Jeremy was here and parked in one of those spots, we wouldn't be able to get the ramp down and have him get off of that without slamming into the other car. There's just yeah. not enough space. It's not planned well. Uh, people, I mean, they did have the plates or the, 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 the tags, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, you know. Do better. Yeah, I appreciate, you know, you, you, you know, voicing your opinion and being an advocate for people in this situation. So I appreciate you, Mike. And uh, yeah, man, we'll definitely, we'll have to do it again. I had a good time, even though we did have to deal with some of that stuff. But um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man, you just, you, you took it, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, great, great attitude the whole time. And I, I, I commend you for that. Oh, I, I, thanks, I think I would. <laughs> yeah, you, it, there, there's times you definitely want to lose it on people, but it's just like, you know, at the what end of the day, do, like, yeah. what are you going to do? So, all right. Well, uh, thank God the power hasn't gone out yet. So we're going to, we're going to end this one. Uh, you know, if you guys could listen, like, rate, review, all that good stuff helps us with the algorithms. And uh, we will be back next week to, to discuss week three of the 2022 NFL season and look ahead to week four. Jeremy, this is major. I have Wentz in the Commanders this week, and Jalen needs me. <laughs> all of Philadelphia is counting on me. <laughs> Love it. Till next week. <laughs>